What's up, listeners? It's your girl, Mahinder the Mean, along with my co-host, John Andres. How are you, John? Good. How are you doing? I'm really excited to be back with Sport Thought, and I'm excited to have Javed Price, our guest in studio today. I just know him as Ved. It's just like, hey, Ved! He's with me in class, um, but... His story is incredible, and I've I've learned a lot. I've known him for a short time, but I've learned a lot from him. And so I want the world to listen to his story. So how are you, Ed? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for being here. Of course. Of course. Pleasure. We want to hear your story. Where should we start? Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> we can start in Atlanta. Let's start in Atlanta. What was it like growing up in Atlanta? It was fun. Very diverse. Lots of entertainment. Hot Atlanta. It's fun. Yeah. It's a good town. <laughs> lots of partying, lots of sports, <laughs> lots of tourists, lots of things that you can do to get in trouble, lots of job opportunities. And you, as I remember you telling me, you were a good student in school. Yeah, I was. And you also then were a college athlete. Or yeah. you got a scholarship? Yeah, I had lots of offers for track. Track. Okay. So what is the process like? To get a scholarship for track. Basically, you just run. <laughs> you do as good as you can in all your track meets, and you get recruited. You get scouts coming to talk to you, letters in the mail, people from different colleges showing up to your track meets, and you sometimes you'll look out in the stands and you'll see different recruiting coaches with you know their little polo on with, like, it'll say what organization or school they're from. You look up in the stands and you see Wisconsin or Stanford or Michigan or whatever, so... What does that feel like? It definitely is motivating, and it makes you want to be perform at the highest level possible. It gives you an adrenaline rush just seeing that. It's kind of surreal when it first happens. Now, what you what were your events in track? The hundred and the two hundred. Okay, so you're a fast guy. I was fast guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still pretty fast. So there you go. Yeah. Not as fast as you used to be because you got injured. What happened Ooh. there? <laughs> I got in a motorcycle accident. How would you manage that? You get most people get hurt running, and you get. I mean, you're, you are a runner. Got in a high-speed chase on a motorcycle, on Ooh. a street bike. Yeah. So you were that fast guy. Yeah. Fast, fast guy. Yes. <laughs> on the track, on the bike. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that is, a, that is a crazy turn of events, though. So was that before or after you had your scholarships? That was in the midst of it. So oh, okay. I was, I was offered scholarships, and then during the summer between going to college and leaving high school, I got in a high-speed chase on a street bike. And I ran from the police, which the the consequences of that were me losing my scholarship offers. So that's what happened there. And then I also tried to get back into it, and I pulled a hamstring, which definitely was another setback. But mm. still, the process of getting recruited and talking and making official visits and going to different colleges and them just showing that much interest in your ability to run was just in itself felt good oh the attention yeah definitely yeah. i mean how do you manage that attention yeah. how did you manage that attention or did you not manage that attention <laughs> you just stay you try to stay humble if i could go back i probably would have been a lot more humble i think that i was a lot in my head because i wasn't used to that so it felt like kind of feeds your ego you know if you're not humble and you don't have a good foundation for being humble when those types of things present themselves it's kind of like dwight howard looking at his story <laughs> And how he grew up very, very sheltered and very, very protected and with the church. And so I believe he quoted in Sports Illustrated, September issue, that when he made it to the big leagues, he wanted to experience everything and he wanted to experience 
everything to the maximum extent that he could. So then he ended up having five kids with five women in five years. The way Howard Superman did? Yeah, Superman. <laughs> what a baller. So, you know, and, and then he talks about how he then came back to Earth and was rehumbled himself. Just connecting that to what you're saying. Right. Because you go from zero to yeah, out of nowhere, nowhere so yeah. quickly. It happens overnight. Like, <clears throat> you run track, you run, you run, and you put up numbers, and then eventually you go to, like, a bigger track meet, and you put up, like, some of your best numbers, and then within the next two or three days, you get, you're get you getting letters, and you're getting yeah. all kinds of emails, your coaches, and people are calling you and wanting to talk to you, and it happens out of nowhere. So then you were practicing all the time, right? For What was your training like then to get ready for these type of scholarships, was, these type of events? <clears throat> very tedious. At least three hours, five to six days a week. Running stadiums, there's so many sports-specific workouts that you can do to enhance your stride efficiency just mechanics in general. So there's so many things that you can tweak because when you get down to running track and you're running in 10.8, 10.86, 10.89, and you get down to the milliseconds, mechanics are a huge thing. So even shaving off a thing like 0.2 seconds can put you from a certain percentile into the next percentile, especially when you get down to like things like the combine. When you run the 40, you run a 4.5. Well, you run a 4.4, that can be the difference between $500,000. You know, yeah, that, that um, incentive, that, yeah, right. it's crazy. So just a millisecond. So things like my my main focus, of course, was plyometrics and trying to increase my power and explosiveness, but also my mechanics. So I didn't deviate from running in a straight line. I tried to run in a straight line. Sometimes people move side to side mm-hmm. and whatnot. So just perfecting your mechanics and trying to be having as a sound of a stride as possible without any deviation. Was it a childhood dream or when did you start training? How did you get into this? track like running why why track why not football why not basketball actually i i started out playing football and i still played football and i had football scholarships as well but i started out with football and then you know when you run your laps or when you run your suicides or when you run sprints at the end of practice you know you line up with people who are comparable to your speed and so i would always line up with the running backs and the corners and i played corner as well and so i would always be the first person like i was and every time, every sprint. Naturally faster yeah. than them, yeah. I just started noticing that, and then a coach was like, hey, what do you think about running track? He kind of introduced it to me, and I said, you know, I would, I'm cool checking it out. I'm not trying to do, like, a bunch of running, like, miles and stuff like yeah. that, but I'll run sprints. So I went, and I went to, like, one of the track practices and ran with everybody else on the track team, and I was one of the top three fastest people just coming onto the track you know, for the first time from there, they showed me things that I could do to perfect my stride and be a faster. What did running do for you? Was it like a sense of medicine? Because I am a huge basketball fan, right? Uh, but even watching basketball, right? Watching LeBron, watching Dwight Howard, it motivates me and it gives me the sense of adrenaline and it's a medicine in a sense. And so without coming where you come from, did it help you? Was that a coping you? Not necessarily. I think for my outlet for coping would be more basketball and football were the two sports where it actually was more of a release. Track was something that just happened. It was not something that it kind of stumbled. I kind of stumbled upon it. It wasn't something that I set out to do was run track. Basketball and football were my main outlets for relieving stress and just being like that was more of a release for me than track. I would say my favorite event in track though that was definitely my biggest adrenaline rush was a four by one, four by one relay. So 
you're running with three other people and you're running against other people. So sometimes you get the baton and you're behind. And so that in itself is adrenaline rush because you have to catch people mm-hmm. and you're running with the team. So you have, if you feel more accountable. Yeah, you can't so. let your team down. Yeah, right. There's a lot of pressure on that. Right. Yeah. So that was definitely, that gave me a lot of high pressure stakes in those situations. Yeah. For sure. Well, with your background in, with football and basketball and track, is that how you sort of stumbled into personal training a little bit just because you were already working out so much and you were able to, you already kind of had the exercise down? Absolutely. That is definitely probably the main factor, the primary factor of why I got into personal training is because when you're an athlete, you want to learn how to tweak your muscles and your workouts to enhance your performance as much as possible. And so when you do that, it's, you find, you do that through trial and error. So you see what your body responds to the most and you see what your body doesn't respond to. And then you continue to grow upon that and build on that. So for me, it was just like perfecting something over and over and over and then going back and tweaking it and coming back and trying this and mm-hmm. going back to the drawing board and then coming back and then trying and seeing if the results were there for this workout or that workout. Absolutely. And so when going to work with, and so that translates into personal training because you work with somebody and then everybody's body responds differently to exercises. Some people might, somebody's physiology may respond to high reps. Somebody may respond to heavy weight. Somebody may respond to explosive workouts. Somebody may respond to endurance workouts. Mm -hmm. So that's the same. It translates to each person, everybody's physiology and their, you know, muscular buildup is hugely important. And then with diet now, with all those things like ketogenic diets and stuff, are you interested in like, adding that to your personal training method as well yeah absolutely i think that exercise is probably 30 percent of yeah 30 percent of your progress 30 percent of you there what's your of your results i think the main thing is diet so when i personal train i also offer to do structured meal charts to help bring the personal training into full circle because if i'm just providing somebody with personal training and they're not eating right then for me we're not going to get the results yeah. that we both want and in turn, that makes me as a personal trainer not look like I'm doing my job because if somebody's working with me and they're not getting results. That's your job is to get them results. Right. Yeah, it makes absolutely. me look bad. So I'm very, I've been in the past when I was at my peak, like I was very picky with my clients in terms of who I believe is a good candidate mm-hmm. and who I believe was actually somebody who I could hold accountable. And because you get personal training, when you get into personal training, you have people who they're very overzealous when they begin and then two weeks or a month in they're like when it's hard yeah yeah they they go from going coming three times or four times a week to just once or twice and their their diet gets off and so i would personally find clients that i felt were dedicated and they were they really wanted it and they really wanted results so I would go, I would even offer to go grocery shopping with them. You know, I'd walk around the grocery store with them, show them. That's hey, amazing. I do. wish <laughs> my trainers did that with me. Sorry, I had to chime in there because I've, I've had trainers and they'll literally be like, depending on what's from, because you're probably familiar with this, but if you're through 24 hour fitness, they can't give you a uh, dietary information so you don't sue them. And the other trainers are trainers that happen to work at 24 hour fitness so they can have that on their resume and they leave and they start their own business. And so they don't kind of really, I mean, at one point they told me to eat 25 egg whites and protein bars. It's probably so. good for you. I mean, it couldn't, it's all protein. It was very boring. Um, it was 35 pounds in two months, though. Nice. So Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, and then it came all back. So. Oh. <laughs> now we have that. No. <laughs> um, my question to you would be, with all these, from my personal experience, trainers that move around, 
what certifications do you need to be a trainer? Or do you not really need any certifications? You should definitely have a certification. And the reason why people sometimes, they the gyms tell personal trainers not to, you know, give advice on nutrition and stuff is because that's outside of their scope of practice. Mm -hmm. Lots of personal trainers also are certified nutritionists. So you can get certified as a nutritionist as well. So you can actually give that advice on what to eat. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, but for, as for certifications, you definitely, if you want to be able, if you want to be a credible personal trainer in that realm of work in that field, you definitely want a certification. Some of the most credible certifications are NASM, which is NASM and that's National Academy of Sports Medicine. That's one of the most recognized ones, the most prestigious ones. Also, ACE <clears throat> is one of the most prestigious ones as well. So those are. And you have both of those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and both then they, and they both offer different types of packages. So if you want to be a personal trainer for athletic training, ACE has this one specifically for athletic training. Or if you want to do group fitness, or if you want to be a Zumba instructor or instructor or a aerobics instructor, these different certifications have different types of certifications for within their organization but well, you definitely need a sort of you definitely should have a certification well it's good to know you're certified you know what you're doing go have you gone has anybody taken you up on that offer to go grocery shopping with them definitely i yeah. actually offer that because i want my client to get results just as bad as they do it just makes well it builds your resume as well absolutely I mean, yeah it's a good it's, it's good only, for my portfolio it's, it's positive for everybody yeah right so i'll call people and be like hey what did you eat today you know or legit do they answer yeah they do okay. and if they want to continue personal training with me then you know, I'm going to I'm gonna hold them accountable and I'm going to be on top of them because my name's at stake as well. Are you ever mean? Sometimes. And sometimes it's, sometimes clients like that. Sometimes clients like... You know, I've like, heard that. Yeah. My trainers have told me. Because <laughs> one day, well, I walked in as a new trainer. It's like, okay, so how's this going to work? Do you want me to cuss at you? Do you want me to yell at you? Like, what do you want me to do? And here I am looking at him like, why would I want you to cuss at me? And he's like, no, that motivates people. Right. Yeah, some people like that. Some people need that. It's the same thing. For me, I was like that. Like in football, I liked when my coach was like in my face, yelling yeah. at me, telling me what to do and getting grimy and dirty and, you know, not yeah. holding back on any words that he had to say. It pushes me. Some people feed off of that. So as a personal trainer, you have to be able to, you have to be able to like assess what type of, st- what type of training style you're going to take with each client. So some people don't want that aggressive approach, but some people need that more than most of the time you'll see the athletes like that aggressiveness yeah. and then. More like the um, women who I used to get were nurses or like pretty much for the most part, yes. And you can find a balance between both. Absolutely. What does it feel like? What does it feel look like for you and the client when results are present? Because you may have a client who is battling with extreme anxiety and has gained weight and is dealing with that and barely even made it to the session or you may be dealing with a client who is modeling and needs you know like different stories behind each client and it's an accomplishment right i think one of the major aspects of being a great personal trainer is understanding the psychology of your client as well Mm -hmm. it's more than just exercising and telling somebody what to do bossing them around and showing them how to work out i think Understanding the psychology of the client is extremely important and it's imperative if you want to if you want to grow because you're also and you're also in an interpersonal relationship with this person that you're personal training. So it's not just a, you're their trainer and they're a client. You're in a you're in a relationship with this person. Yeah, almost so, like a friendship. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a partnership for sure. Exactly. And I've gone to dinners that clients have invited me to for their family and Christmas dinners and all kinds of things. So it can be very emotional because sometimes people have been had a certain 
body type for their whole life and they've wanted to do this or they wanted to accomplish this and, and they've never been able to and they've tried different personal trainers and they haven't gotten it. So when they finally start to see the results, it can be definitely, it can be very emotional. And that, and I try to grasp onto that because that's what content, that's what keeps the client pushing and keeps them motivated is that emotion that they feel when they see the initial results. And typically when you start a personal training program, your results come faster in the beginning and then they start to slow down as you get more and more better shape. It's right. harder to right, tweak that. So. so that answered your question as to why I've gone through, this was an off-air conversation, but <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've gone through seven personal trainers by Whoa. now. Well, that answers your question as to why, because they were just training right. and they weren't being human. You have to understand. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to understand the the interpersonal relationship and the interactions there. You can't just You can't just be another client. You have to personalize every single person's exercise. I don't generalize exercises. I, everything is very personal. So and that's, that it's almost sense. like a holistic medicine you're practicing with Absolutely. that. Like how, how many, how many issues that you see are just inflammation because of lack of exercise because their job is eight hours sitting down. Yeah. So, I mean, just that one cure exercise, I'm sure you see a lot of just health problems diminish before your eyes and stuff. I mean, that's, it's literally medicine you're practicing, yeah. essentially. Absolutely. I've seen, I've seen clients get off of their medications, diabetes. You've I've, seen them stop taking insulin. I have, yeah. Just because the, and it was type 2 then, essentially. Yeah, and their blood sugar was regulated better. They were active. And a lot of times, I would say more than not, that it's a lot of thing. A lot of their issues, I think, are stress-related. And then it just piles upon that. So when they get stressed out from work, then they start eating more. Then they start eating more. Then yeah. they stop caring about themselves. And they stop. And it's just like a snowball effect. So when you get a client, you have to try to break them out of that cycle. And then it's like a shock. Is and that it, challenging? It is. It's, it's very challenging. But I'm I'm very upfront with that with the client and the initial meeting that hey, the first month is probably going to be very intense. And then after that, your body will adjust to these new changes, these new diets, and then things will become more smooth. But I let them know that I'm going to expect a lot out of you. So if if you really want these results, this is what I'm going to expect out of you. And this is the type of personal trainer I am. There are other. I also let them know that there's also other personal trainers, but I'm. I try to be as interactive and as involved as possible with my clients. So then, is your ultimate goal to essentially like start your own, you know, nutrition firm or sports consulting firm, or how would you, what would you like to go into? I think that for me, I'm a human services mm-hmm. student, and so. I think for me, wanting to work with high-risk youth goes hand-in-hand with, I've seen in the past, with working with high-risk youth, keeping them active and keeping them engaged in sports. And sports is a great medium for breaking barriers when you're trying to create a relationship. You talk sports with somebody, and next thing you know, they're drop, they're lowering their walls, especially with kids. And then you can bond because you can compete with them. You can play, and it's, and it's not a serious approach like counseling mm-hmm. or sitting down one-on-one with the kid. If you take a kid on the basketball court and play basketball with them, they're much more likely to be receptive because you're on common ground. So I think that for me, at sports and athletics and training in general is going to be the medium for me to connect with high-risk youth and kids in general. And you work with nonprofits now. Talk about that briefly, where you work, what you do, what's your so mission. So I work with Denver Inner City Parish sometimes with a gentleman named Ray Washington, and he's very, very involved in the at-risk youth communities, community outreach activities, gang intervention, Mm -hmm. kids who are going in and out the correctional systems, and just providing them with resources and activities to do outside of the normal activities that go on within their neighborhood. Positive. You're exercising so that if you're tired after you exercise, less likely to go out and commit, you know, go out and do some bad things. Like, just growing up, that's what we used to do. We'd be, it was so beneficial instead of going out and just 
stealing bikes or something. You go to the gym. Like, right. Don't that energy's gone. That energy that would have been destructive is now in a constructive manner, Absolutely. and you've made friends this way. Absolutely. So it's super beneficial to do that. And that being said, are you seeing a decline so far in certain communities where you, you know their youth youth crime is falling with these certain programs or? It's give and take. I think a it's bit. hard. I think it's give and take, and yeah. I think it's hard to quantify. I do think that with specific youth, it definitely is, is a positive impact mm-hmm. on them. It gives them an outlet. Um, instead of going home and going into the streets and doing whatever, yeah. they can go link up with somebody who's a little older than them, who likes the who who actually cares about their well being, who's not going to tell them to do something crazy, but mm-hmm. it's it's actually channeling their energy through something that they already like to do. A lot of times you'll see a lot of athletes, even now, who have all the talent in the world. They're genetic freaks, but mentally they're not there, and so they end up going astray. So all the scholarships that they could have got or all the money they could have made or all this potential. All, yeah, all the potential, it just goes to waste because mentally they're not there and they don't know how to channel that energy, mm-hmm. but they have all the talent in the world. So that's something that I'd like to do is find more of that talent and try to help them psychologically focus in on their potential as opposed to all the distractions that come along with being a uh, being a great actor. It's almost like peer mentoring shit because you've already been there so right. then you can be like, yeah, guys, don't do this. Like, exactly. I, I be, yeah, exactly. Give That's them the sick. heads up. Like, yeah. lots of girls are going to come. Yeah. All these types of partying opportunities. Everybody's going to act like they love you and you're the best thing and you can easily let that get to your head. So I try to show them that. But even beyond even beyond that, working with kids who are like 10, 15, 12 years old, helping them see the importance and their potential because they don't understand how important for, especially for people in those communities or lower socioeconomic mm-hmm. income sports is one of the main outlets for getting out of those situations, especially for them. Huge. Yeah, definitely. So I try to let them understand the ramifications of what can happen if you don't harness that energy that you have and that potentiality is it can go and it can go to waste and you'll look you'll be one of those people like myself looking back and being like man i wish i would have done this or i could have done this or i could have done that and that's the last thing you want to do but what have you learned and as we wrap up what words of wisdom would you leave your kids that are listening to you our listeners anybody words of wisdom for the kids say don't get too distracted don't get too wrapped up in what everybody else is telling you don't get your confidence and your val and your sense of self worth from everybody around you. Try to get your sense of self worth and value from within, because other people outside of you may exaggerate your may exaggerate and flatter you because of your position. So if you're a starting quarterback and you're mediocre, everybody else might tell you you're great because they want to be your friend. So get your confidence and your your sense of self worth from within. And from people who are very close to you, don't get distracted by all of the flashing lights and all of the social media. And what have you learned throughout your journey from being just a kid in Atlanta to where you are now? What have you learned? Be humble. Be humble, be thankful, and show gratitude for things. Don't take anything for granted because injuries can happen just like that. And you can go from the fastest, best person in the state, in the region, in the nation to just another injured person recovering from surgery and all that can be swept up from under your feet. So nothing's guaranteed. So don't take anything for granted and be thankful and be very humble. 
And listen to Kendrick Lamar. And <laughs> while you are listening to Kendrick Lamar, also check us out on iTunes and SoundCloud. And follow us on MSU Sport. But we will be back next week. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs>